Hey ladies, welcome to the Core 4 Momentum podcast, empowering women in pelvic health. In this podcast, we will uncover all aspects of women's health and pelvic health. This podcast is hosted by the Core 4 team, a strong group of pelvic health physical therapy experts who are passionate about advocating for women's health and changing the world one pelvis at a time. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out how to join our free private Facebook group of empowered women. If you join, you will have access to free pelvic health education and you will become part of a strong community of ladies. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Core 4 Momentum Podcast. My name is Jessica Thompson. I'm a doctor of physical therapy interested in pelvic health. Today, I have the honor of interviewing one of our Core 4 Momentum tribe ladies. Her name is Jennifer and she's going to share her birth story with us. So I'm just gonna let Jennifer introduce herself how old she is, where she's from, and what she does. So go for it, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Jennifer Becker, and I'm from Elizabethville, Pennsylvania, not far from where Julia um, grew up in Lionel Mountain. So I, one of the questions you have on here is how, how I've been with um, Core Formentum. I know Julia from track in high school and I saw her posting, you know, run, she was early in her pelvic therapy um, training. I joined it then the group and uh, since then, but um, I'm from really close to where she was and my family is all back there um, in Pennsylvania. I currently live in Virginia. So my husband being active duty uh, Navy. So uh, all of our family is there. Um, but what I do, I'm also in the reserves, uh, Navy reserves, but what I do in the reserves, I also do my civilian career, um, is intelligence. So intelligence analyst. So it's a little bit about me and what I do. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much to you and your husband for serving our country. Um, mm-hmm. it means a lot, especially during these times or all time. So thank you so much for that. Um, so he said you knew Julia. Julia is, she kind of started Core 4 Momentum. So that's cool that you knew. So you guys went to high school together? She went to Lime Mountain. I went to Upper Dauphin. But Lime Mountain came to our school for track. So I met her for track. So cool. yeah. Humble beginnings. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so Jennifer, how old are you? I'm 27. Okay, all righty. So um, when... So, you know, the reason why we chose you to do this interview is because you had a home birthing experience. And for our listeners today, um, just quick background. So we're talking about planned home birth, correct? So this correct. is planned. Okay, so we're talking about planned home birth. And just in general, you know, you don't have to have um, deliver in a hospital, you can have out of hospital birth. So either it can be a home birth, a planned home birth, or a birthing center. We're talking about home births today. Um, in general, in the U.S., most of our births are in hospital settings. Um, so about one out of 62 births in the U.S. are home births. So that's about like 1.6% out of all the births um, in the U.S., so it's a very small amount, um, yeah. but recently it has increased. So in 2004, um, these are stats from the National Institute of Health. In 2004, about 35,000 births were at, out of hospital births in the U.S. And now this is doubled almost. It's 62,000 um, as of 2017. Those were the latest numbers. So I'm sure now there's even more. Uh, so, Jennifer, why did you choose a home birth? So I, the, my home birth was my third birth. So I have three daughters. My oldest is four. My middle is two and a half. And my youngest is one and a half. She was not a planned pregnancy. Um, I was only seven months postpartum with my second when I got pregnant with her. So I was like, oh, my goodness, I, 
am I ready to go through this again? I just went through it. So um, I had two hospital births and I was just over 20 weeks, right on 20 weeks when I, with my third and I was with the same provider for all of them. And I was at a total care for women health um, facility. So, you know, they did everything women. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And one of the providers there, she was a midwife, a certified nurse midwife, Mm -hmm. and she was moving and I loved her the most out of all the providers there. And I just kind of talked to my husband and I said, you know what? Well, it wasn't guaranteed that she would deliver my third baby anyways. And I just, you know, I talked to him I said, you know, I, had unmedicated births in the hospital. I know I can do it without that. So I just want to see what, see what my options are for an alternative birth. So our insurance TRICARE only, they don't cover everything. Most insurances don't cover home births or midwives or anything like that. However, I, I think it's worth every penny and I'm going to get to that later, but I think it's worth every penny. And I looked into it and TRICARE will only, they will cover some of it to kind of reimburse you for some things, Mm -hmm. but only if you use a certified nurse midwife. And the Virginia area that I'm in, Hampton Roads, there's only one. So when I was deciding this at 20 weeks, I was like, there's no way she's going to be ready for me in 20 weeks. Like I'm in a huge military area, but I just started by joining I'm sure almost every local area has a home birth thing on Facebook, a group. So I joined that and just put the question and I got in contact with her and at 20 weeks, I transferred care to her. So that was how I found her and kind of why I chose. Oh um, yeah. So that's, that's why I chose home birth Okay. and I'm very happy I did. <laughs> So cool. You mentioned a lot of things that I wanted to touch on. So that's great. Um, One of them being insurance and having to pay to have a home birth. So going back to those numbers and one of the main reasons why the number is so low for out of hospital births in the U.S. is because most insurance providers don't cover home births. Um, And if they do, they cover only a portion. So majority of home births are paid out of pocket. And so you can just think about the um, amount of women who are kind of like, who don't have the option to pay to have their babies um, out of pocket. So um, it's hard for them to make that decision because they don't have the means to. So I'm so glad that, you know, you were able to do that for yourself and to make that choice. But that is something to keep in mind. Also, you mentioned that, your midwife was a certified nurse midwife. And for all the ladies who are listening, it's important to, if you're looking to do a home birth and you want a midwife to be involved in your um, birthing journey to make sure you look at their credentials to make sure either they're a certified nurse midwife or a certified midwife, or if they're just simply a midwife, make sure they have the licensing that they um, are supposed to have um, by the certified um, the Confederation of Midwives Global Standards is what you want to make sure that your midwife has to make sure that you're getting the care that you need, the quality of care that you need. But it's interesting that you had two hospital births at first and then the third. So one of your main reasons why you chose to do a home birth for the third baby is because you just formed this connection with the midwife that you had in the hospital. Correct. I my first two deliveries were my first one was with one of the providers that I had at the uh, care that I, I had because um, the the center that I was at or the doctor's office I was at was right across from where the hospital was. So if you went during the day, if you had, you know, went to labor during the day, most times the on-call doctor was at work and they would just pop over to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. But for my second, I had her in the middle of the night. I don't know the doctor that delivered my baby. It was just the on-call doctor of the hospital. So for me, when I 
was reaching out to the midwife. What I didn't understand was it was, it's not like a, it's not a doctor's office. It's, it's her practice. And when I started having my appointments with her, I was used to just coming in, having a few, you know, they check the baby's heartbeat, say, hey, do you have any questions? Nope, cool, good on your way. You know, five, 10, 15 minute appointments. She, she booked an hour of her time. And whether you use that whole hour or not, it was yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I asked her the one day, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't need to be here as long as we are. Like I'm, and there's nothing wrong with my, my pregnancy. Um, and you know, I'm, you know, I would stay here if I need to, I said, but like, I don't have to, she's like, I book an hour of my time for you. If that's what you feel you need. So that was number one, completely different experience. And I think it's important for women who aren't experienced in pregnancy, labor and delivery to have somebody who books that time for you. And they're there. They're the one person you see every appointment you go to. And they're going to be the ones there in your home or in your choice of place that you choose to deliver in. Um, if you choose a birthing center, like you said. So it's, that was, that was huge for me. I was like, that was, I was used to that. So yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so good. And that's one of the reasons why I chose um, to go into physical therapy because we get to spend so much time with our patients. Usually we see our patients for like four to five minutes to an hour doing what I do. And you can really form a bond with patients and you have more time to listen to the patients and their needs when it's not just like a 10, 15 minute pop in, pop out. And I feel like the patient feels more comfortable with you and you get to build that rapport. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's even more important if you're bringing life into the world, you want to be a rapport with the person that's helping you do that. So I'm glad she was able to you know, take out an hour of her time with um, business with, with you. So you kind of started this process with her 20 weeks in. How, how often did you see her before you actually delivered? So the standard, the, st- the same standard um, up until 32, 34 weeks, you're every four weeks. So mm-hmm. at that time I saw her at 24 weeks and then 28 and then 32 and some providers like to see you every two weeks starting at 32 or 34. So it just depends on the provider or, you know, if you have other uh, complications in your pregnancy or whatever it may be. But standard is um, every four weeks and then closer every two. And then I think 36 weeks on, 38 weeks on, you're every week. So um, I've never made it past 39 weeks. I delivered 38 five, 36, 36. So I've never made it past 39 weeks with my baby. So, um, it's, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was interesting too. So I was like, all of my, all of mine have kind of always been the same. I know people say, Oh, all labors are different. All Mm -hmm. pregnancies are different. It really hasn't been the case for me. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. So my, I mean, I, I've had very, when I say easy pregnancies, I just mean nothing more than some nausea in the beginning. Um, no, you know, no like severe swelling, no just fatigue. Like, I, I don't know. I always say I would love to be a surrogate for somebody because of how easy pregnancy is on my body. Um, but that's you know, way down the road if I ever decided to do that. But I just, I don't know. I've always enjoyed it. So I, I enjoy the process of everything about it <laughs> oh my gosh you are like a woman I love it I love it and you being willing to be a surrogate that's that's so great because we need more women who are willing to do this so you go girl yeah <laughs> all um, righty so what besides your um certified nurse midwife what what was your team like as far as um, for the third pregnancy, like, did you also have other providers that you went to see or that w- they were providing you care during that time? She has, at that time, she was in training with her, but her practice was expanding and she needed, you know, help. So she's good to go now on her own. But when I started, she had, um, uh, I started with her midwife in training. She was finishing up hers, but she is now part of her practice and joined. 
and then they have their home birth assistant. So both providers were typically most times at both uh, at both of them at the appointment. Um, with COVID though, I know I'm sure like they're one-on-one. So just consider that right now going on. Things have been a little different, I'm sure. Um, but typically they were both at both appointments and then the home birth assistant. So at 36 weeks, people say, I can't believe you're having a home birth. What if something goes wrong? <laughs> well, they come to your home or wherever your place of birth would be that you choose to be outside of a hospital. Um, they do a walkthrough, see where it is you plan to labor, make an emergency plan, where's the nearest hospital. You know, they go over all these things, ensure that the vehicle, if you would need to, has gas, you know, have the emergency contact information. They go over that well before they ever show up for delivery. And labor. So those things are taken care of. I mean, so far as to connect to your internet. <laughs> so when they show up, it's just automatic. Mm-hmm. They're not asking you the questions while you are, while you're contracting. Right. So, and that's another thing I, when you're in the hospital and you think you're in labor, they haven't even checked you yet to the triage area, the holding area. And you're there Ask, they're asking you questions and you're having to sign the pin pad and you're going through these contractions and you're like, can I just get to the room? Like, can I just get this over with? Right. And how much are you so, really checking in when you're going through, and you, people are giving you all this information, asking for your signature and you can't even really focus or type that in. So I can only right. imagine how frustrating that must be. Yeah. It's, it's especially when it's the middle of the night and you were woken up to go into labor. It's just it's just another thing added on um, that you don't really think about when you get to the hospital. So and then when you get there, you're in one room and they have to keep you there to monitor you for about 30 minutes to see if you are contracting enough, mm-hmm. if you are whatever it may be. And for me, my first labor, I my husband was gone for just a week. And two days into him being gone, my first baby, I thought, I'm going to be late. I'm going to come late, you know, because it's what they say. I said, you know, I'll, I'll hold out till you get back. Um, well, I saw what happened. So I'm alone. It's 930 at night. I'm having what I think is my first contraction. And I call my mom, all my family's in Pennsylvania, six hours, six and a half hours away. I'm like, mom, I think I just had my first contraction. And she's like, well, call the hospital. So, you know, I call the hospital. I'm like, well, I think I just did. And they're like, well, you can always just come in. I'm like, I hate not knowing. Like, I, I don't know if I am, I'm alone. So my grandma's best friend, my grandma's best friend, <laughs> lives about 20 minutes away in Virginia Beach and my mom called her we're at like 10 30 at night now she's like can you go can you go see her and you know take her if she needs to go to the hospital so we end up going around 12 30. in the meantime my parents and his parents and sister start the drive down here from Pennsylvania so I end up do getting admitted yeah they drove through the night they got here Oh, by like seven. So I, I was in such denial though, because it was my first and he wasn't home. And I was like, this can't be happening. I'm alone. I don't know what's going on. And I'm in the hospital and I'm going through the contractions and I didn't have nurses that were very like in my face about things. When you do get to the hospital, they do ask you, do you want medication? Do you plan to have an epidural? Because some women are like, give me it. I don't care what it is. As soon as I get there, I want it, right? As soon as you can give it to me, I want it. Um, but for me, I was like, I don't know. I'm okay right now. I think they, they're coming in waves, but I'm able to breathe through them and deal with them. And I remember the one nurse, she just kept coming in and she's looking at the, the chart 
what I'm assuming to her shows very strong contractions. She's like, are you sure you don't want nothing? I'm like, no, I don't. Like I, I'm, I'm fine. So when my mom and them get there, cause my contractions kind of eased through the night. I was kind of able to rest until they showed up about 6am. And I was like, mom, man, I don't think I could do this anymore. <laughs> She's like, well, let's just see. Right. So the nurse comes in and she checks and she's like, you're, you're right there. You're past the point of an epidural. You can't have that. I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> and I ended up pushing for an hour and 45 minutes. I was exhausted. And I just attribute that to not knowing, not being educated on what to expect what to do, what muscles to use. It's a whole different thing. It's not just laying on your back and squeezing baby out. It's, it's not that. Um, so for me, I think that was just, I just didn't know. Yeah. So that was my first hospital experience. Like I said, it wasn't bad. I know there's been much worse. Mm-hmm. And then with my second, I, my husband was home, thankfully. And I went in the middle of the night. I woke him up and I said, Hey, you know, I think it's time to go to the hospital. He shoots up. He's like, okay, okay, let's go. Let's go. So it's just me and him at that time in the delivery room and about the same amount of time of delivery, like, or uh, labor, like seven hours. And I had her like right before 7am, right before a shift change. Cause the nurse, when I showed up, she's like, you're going to have that baby before my shift's over. I was like, well, when's your shift's over? She's like seven. but um the doctor when he came in so my husband wasn't there for the first birth so he like a rush of nurses and all of these things and it's just one nurse and the doctor comes in I don't know him and he kind of looks and he's like okay I'm gonna break your water because as soon as I do that the baby's coming I was like are you sure because I pushed for an hour and 45 minutes first one so he does that and he leaves the room and my husband's like why is he leaving him well he's up he showed up in his his like brown sweater and loafers he's not even like you know anyways so I I was determined to not have an epidural that time as well because I knew it just the first time and I wanted my husband to see it. It was kind of like a, I want, I want you to see that I am strong and I can do this. Not that he put that pressure on me at all. Cause I did tell him at when it got to the point, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I think I need an epidural. And when the nurse came in, they do say, you know, you mentioned when you got here that you didn't want one. So I am going to check you to see where you are, see how far you've progressed to see if you can still get one. So she checks me. She says, well, you are past the point. As soon as your water breaks, that baby's coming. And also the OR is backed up. So you wouldn't be able to get one anyways. So that right there, you just had a total mind change, a total shift. I'm like, all right, well, I'm doing it this time too. So um, when the doctor came in and broke my water, I immediately felt her get into position. And that was like, oh, she's there. Baby's coming. And uh, he, and I said, my husband was not really sure what was to expect. And, but you know, he's right next to me doing a great job. And I'm, I pushed like five times, I think. And I, I guess let out a scream at one point. And the doctor told me to calm down. And I was like, okay, looking, looking back now, mm-hmm. I was like, huh. And relating that to my experience at home birth, that's, that's what I'll compare to in a minute. Mm-hmm. And baby's out, everything's fine. And we're good to go. So then come my home birth, I had all of these things in my head. What I learned from each birth the first time in the hospital. When I was pushing with my first I remember the nurse kind of using her fingers and guiding 
and saying, push here, push here, use these muscles, bear down here. I did have that in my head. So that is something that I learned in the hospital with my first. With my second, it was, okay, well, I need to remain calm because I don't, it's kind of like, I don't want to set those in the room that are helping me, but like, it probably wasn't helping myself by not focusing on what was happening, but letting the, letting the emotions out in a way that, that wasn't progressing the contraction or the push or whatever it may be. So while I, looking back, I'm like, I probably shouldn't have talked to me that way. Um, I can reflect on that in a different way. Mm-hmm. But at home, my midwife, I woke up about 5.30 with my first contractions. And I waited a little bit. And I woke my husband up. I said, hey, I think we need to get the girls to daycare because the baby's coming today. It's going to happen. So we get up that time. It was like 15 minutes to daycare and we go to daycare. I didn't have any newborn diapers. Like we got to stop at Walmart on the way home and get newborn diapers. And um, so we stop and, you know, they're picking up a little bit. And he's like, you need to, you need to go. We're not having this baby in Walmart. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm coming. I'm coming. Tom, so, I just, just want to highlight, I just want to highlight how you're still thinking like a mom, even in that <laughs> moment, like, we got to take these girls to back here. I got to get diapers for this one that's coming. I love it. Yep. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It's just one of those things. It's once you're a mom, it's what needs to happen to make the day go like, and that's that. So we get home. And I'm calm now. Like I, I know what my bo- what is happening with my body, but I'm also still like, I don't want them to come too early and kind of waste their time being here when that's really, that is not, not the mindset you should have They're They're going to come when you say, please come your midwives. They're on call for you after 36 weeks. And they, you know, the minute you say, I'm ready for you to come, they're coming. And I was nervous because it was right around lunchtime and we're getting to be lunchtime. So if I had waited any longer, I was like, they're going to get stuck in traffic. I live in the middle of like town at that point. They're going to get stuck in traffic, people going to lunch, whatever it may be. So when I was ready, when I finally was like, okay, I think I'm ready for you to come. I had already gotten my shower. I had a home birth photographer. I straightened my hair. I was doing all that. I was just again, like, you know, awesome, right? I'm not in the hospital in a gown, uncomfortable. I'm in my home. I'm, you know, relaxed. And when I said, you know, hey, I'm ready for you guys to come. Um, when she got here, it was her in training one that got here first because she lived a little closer. So when she got here, my husband, you know, was with me, supporting me. I'm on my exercise ball, all that stuff. And she's setting stuff up, but she's studying me. She's seeing where I am without asking me the questions of how I felt or what it may be. A natural pregnancy and, and delivery and labor, the signs are very similar in labor if everything's going right and I learned that and she was checking the baby's heartbeat with the doctor at one point I was sitting on the exercise ball and she's like do you feel like this at this point do you feel like there's like a bowling ball down there I said yeah she goes okay dad we're gonna start filling up the tub so just different cues off my body language she was able to figure out how close we were And one tip I would say, if you did choose to do a home birth, my midwife asked me, she said, is this the point that you would feel you would go to the hospital? 100%. Okay. So if if at that point you feel like, you know what, we would be in the car on the way, tell them to come. So that to me was ensuring too. I was like, okay. Because like I said, I didn't want them to come and waste time, but just don't have that mindset. If you... If you want them here and they're here, that's, they're here, you know, for you. And I was like, 
when she was setting stuff up, I was like, can you go make sure downstairs? My husband was like that, like the, the coffee cups are out and all that stuff. But she's like, we are here for you. <laughs> You're not catering to us. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I can't help it. Like you guys are in my home. Like I just, I don't know. It's just, it was just one of those things. They're like, just, just don't think like that, please. It's okay. So they showed up around 9.30, about 10.15. The photographer showed up shortly after that. And they were only there for about an hour and a half before she was born. So, and because I was an experienced laborer and they knew that and they knew, I kind of knew what to expect. They left me and my husband alone in my room just just to do, just to labor in peace, in quiet. You know, I had my little relaxing sounds going. I had some some relaxing oils going, you know, all that stuff. And it was an amazing experience. They knew when to come based on the sounds that I was making. And they knew when to come up and when, you know, when it was time for me to get in the tub and all that stuff. So some of these questions I'll, I'll answer a little more, but I'll, I don't know if you have anything off of everything I just unloaded. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll pause for a second and see if you have any interjections. Okay. No, I love the fact because you answered a lot of my questions within that question, because in my mind, I wanted to kind of visualize how it was and to know that you were able to prepare your home how you wanted to so you could be comfortable you know the fact that you and your partner were able to have an intimate moment in birth without a lot of interruptions unless they were needed but you had the help there so you felt safe to and comfortable enough to do that I mean that sounds like a dream it sounds very beautiful and I know that's like a bonding experience between you and him that you'll share for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I have so many questions, but let me. Oh, I, I will. I will talk till I'm blue in the face. I, I just I have so many comparisons on, and, and because it was I was in the hospital and at home, but I do encourage first time moms. It was one of the one of my first questions to my midwife was, "Do you have first time moms?" She's like, "We do." And I said, "Well, how do they do that?" And it, she's like, "During labor and all stuff, they're just like, this is crazy. How am I doing this?" And it's just, it's just a different atmosphere, and you're encouraged to know that what your body is going through is natural, to take it head on, and know that you can do it. And know that they are trained specifically to know if there is a moment where something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. When do I call when this is out of my scope of practice? They know that. And that was also reassuring. I'm doing what I need to do, knowing that they're watching me and observing me if something's going to You said a lot of good things that I also wanted to highlight about just being prepared for um, like having your plan A, plan B, plan C, like if things go wrong. And because I think a lot of women do have, um, feel safer in a hospital setting because everything is there, like around the corner. So you just feel safe. But to know that weeks before you plan, you know, what hospital you would want to go to if something went wrong, you know, a doctor that you would see, you, she was asking you if you had gas in your car, like all the things just to make sure that things go smoothly, whatever route that they take. And it also goes back to the fact that you decided to choose a certified nurse midwife uh, or a um, certified midwife that has a lot of experience or, you know, one that you know and that you trust. It's important to do that because those are the providers that you want to have on your team in case something does go wrong so that you get yes. safe. So anyone who is listening and deciding if they want to have a midwife on their team of providers, just do your research to make sure you find someone with experience, someone with the certifications and the licensing that you need to know that you're going to get the quality care and the safety 
that you need to bring your baby into this world. Now, my, my midwife uh, that I had at the Total Care for Women Center, when I told her that I was looking to switch to home birth, she was kind of like, you know, well, you know, who are you looking at? And when I told her her name and the name of her practice, she's like, I went to school with her and we almost opened up a practice together. So it is a close knit community that if you don't, if you aren't connecting with the one that you think you choose, you know, it's like, it's like any other profession. You, you have to vet and you have to make sure that you work together and that you're compatible. If they don't feel they're compatible or could meet some of the needs you have, they can connect you with somebody that can. Or if they don't, you know, back to the um, finance part of it, many midwives do payment plans. They work with you because they they aren't in it. They're in it obviously for the money for their practice, but they're not in it for the money. They want women to feel safe and empowered when they are going through the process, this life-changing process. So don't let the money factor completely keep you from at least talking to one. They will work with you. And that's kind of the most I could say on that. So, I mean, everyone has their own situations, their own, whatever it may be, but don't let the money over, overpower your possible want to have a safe and in your own environment, labor and delivery. So that's a really good point. I, I didn't think about that. Well, I didn't know that there were payment plan options for some midwives. So that, that opens up a window to a lot of people who may think that they're not able to go that route. So thank you for highlighting that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Midwives are not as common, um, they're not as um, populated as other providers, um, like physicians for birth. So I looked at the U.S. Bureau of Labor and 2018 statistics show that there are like over 6,000 nurse midwives in the U.S. So that's not that many if you think about how many women have babies. And I'm not yeah. sure if they... Um, these are nurse midwives that are employed, and I'm not sure if these stats exist, those who are employed in hospitals and birthing centers and not calculating the ones who are practicing on their own. I'm not sure, but either way, it is they are hard to come by, and they're even more hard to come by in southeastern states. So like where I'm from, I'm from Mississippi, so Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, very hard to find a midwife in those states, but they're more common in the Pacific Northwest. And the three states that had the highest population of um, midwives who were working were California, um, New York, and Georgia, actually, which I thought was weird because this is the Southeast, but hey, Georgia's on top of things. You did have on, I think, episode four, if I remember, the dietitian. Uh, individual she mentions the doula service so while they're not the medical side and you know couldn't do the things that a midwife can do if you have at least that option you can have the doula on your side in birth and that is also an added an added bonus to have mm-hmm. um, I actually want to become a doula eventually but I my kids my kids are young they need me right now so my home birth kind of opened up a whole new world to me um labor pregnancy delivery all of that it, it kind of just shifted my mindset to wow and when I talk to people about having a home birth they're just kind of like oh I can't believe you did that because of modern medicine there's hospitals why would you want to do that at home if you've never delivered in a hospital you don't know that you don't understand that that provider, that doctor comes in just to catch your baby. They're not there with you through the whole process. They're not, you know, that's, that's what they do. They sit you up and they leave because they got to go on to the next one. So 
that is also what's different, you know, at, at home. There's no, there's no rush to bring it. And for me, I didn't realize that either. My first two. My first one, I was just relieved she was out. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm done pushing. I didn't really realize what happened after that. Um, I had just minor, minor tearing that he needed to stitch up and, you know, whatever. But I was just so tired. And then by second, same, a little bit of stitching. But I could feel him tugging to get the placenta out. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And at home, in the, with my home birth, I was able to birth in the tub. And which is not always messy. My water was clear the whole time. <laughs> my husband was in the water with me too. And I just, I found that crazy that my water was clear the whole time. Like, that's just nuts. And anyways, so um, I didn't, my placenta came out naturally on its own. I was in the water for about five minutes after she was born, you know, getting her to cry and all that stuff. But she was with me. She wasn't taken from me. And um I loved having my home birth photographer there because while I can remember the moments with my first two, I have like a hundred pictures that I can look back on and see the, the moments, like you said, the experience and, and I can put myself back there and it wasn't scary. It wasn't tense. It was calm. It was peaceful. Everybody I had there was there for me and it was amazing. And she got an excellent picture that I love. My husband's behind me in the tub and she got like an angle looking down and both of our hands are on her. She's like, she's covered in the, like the white, um, I think it's called Burnix. And my other two weren't like that. She was so sticky and white. And I was like, I would have never remembered that had I not had these pictures. So um, she was there, but I was in the tub for about five minutes. And then um one of the questions in, that you had asked is uh, kind of the, oh, uh, what is it? The uh, supplies and things like that to prep. So they provide the blow up pool for you, but um, some things you have to buy your own are like the, the liner for the tub. Um, they ask that you have your bed ready made twice with, you know, a sheet and then like a shower curtain or whatever and another sheet. So that way, if you are in your bed and you have a mess, they just strip that down. Your bed's still made and you're good to go. Um, but I was, came out of the water and I was on my bed and my nurse, and my midwife, she's just, she's just waiting, waiting for it, my placenta to come out on its own. And I'm like, this is just crazy. I was like, this was like forced onto me in the hospital, which can cause unnecessary bleeding. If they don't get all of it out, infections. I remember him counting the one, the, my, my second birth, he was counting. I'm like, why is he, like, why is it come out in parts? Like, isn't it like one thing? So when it happened at home and I, you know, got on the bed, it was like maybe five minutes later and the cord wasn't cut right away. I was able to let, you know, they call it delayed cord clamping. Maybe gets that last bit of blood out of the placenta, um, which some people, I guess the placenta can go very long. Mine was, mine was pretty quick. It was, I mean, it, it almost by the time I had birthed it, it was, it was gone. It was done. Um, but my midwife. So when you think of my team and you think of a, a, a homework team, I had one midwife, the main one, she was kind of like more serious and whatever. My second one, she's kind of like, I want to, I want to teach you everything. Cause this is so cool. And like the anatomy and all of this, and she's just like, um, the home birth assistant, she had like the head covers and the long skirts kind of like hippie looking. So it was like, if you think of a home birth team, like it was the trifecta of what you would want. Perfect balance all around. So she brings me my placenta over and she's like, do you want to look at it? It's like, are you cool with that? I'm like, yeah, so she showed me the anatomy of it, where the baby was and everything. I'm like, I would have never got that in the hospital. So I learned so much through home birth that I just never knew through hospital. Um, so like, so there, are, there are some supplies and stuff you buy, but it's not much. It was like maybe 
$200 at the end of like overtime of everything. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I loved it. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> yeah. I, the whole placenta education part, like that's like icing on the cake for you to, yeah. um, cause I know a lot of women who've had multiple deliveries, multiple deliveries in the hospital, and they still don't know much about their bodies or the experiences that they went through. But the fact that you were able to have your last birth at home, you had your team and they were willing, they were able to take the time to educate you on things and, you know, to allow you to birth the way that you're comfortable because they were in your home and only attending to you versus um, in other methods of delivery, you have a provider or multiple providers, but they may also be tending to other patients you know, on that floor or on other floors. So they're, they're juggling more, but it, with this time, you know, you having a midwife and being at home, it was centered on you as it should be. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and they're there, they're there until like an hour or two after once, once they get the accurate measures on, on the baby that they need, the right temperatures, you know, all that stuff, but nothing is rushed. Mm-hmm. Nothing is, is, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, it was just, one, when I talked about the doctor telling me I needed to calm down, when I got into the water, um, my, my contractions kind of stopped or the, the, the uncomfortable association with the contractions like subsided. And what I learned earlier this year, I, had gone through a childbirth education class. It was six weeks uh, based on the Bradley method. And it's a, a, a natural way um, of laboring. And I, I put education to what I experienced in that leading back to you, most labors, if everything is going smoothly, have stages, you know, three stages. And when I think back now, when I got into the water, before you push and before like full transition happens, there is a calm period. There is a, you get your last, you know, power up, I guess you could say. It's calm. And when I got into the water, everything went away. And I love looking at the pictures about it because I just had peace over my face and I was just focused on it. Um, My water didn't break and with all three of them until right before I pushed. But what I did was learned, what I learned from my first birth, what the nurse did with her fingers. I did that myself. Mm -hmm. I was feeling down there. I was feeling where she was, where to push what would be helpful. If I pushed a certain way, how far did that bring her down? I felt all of that. I was in control 100%. My midwives were right there. And uh, if I, if you know, I was like, hey, I can't do this. They would have stepped in, um, but they, they, were, they were right there. And when my water broke, I knew, I knew it was gonna come right afterwards. I knew it wasn't peaceful anymore after that. <laughs> so my, my, hus- my husband's in the water behind me. And I was like, I asked him, I was like, hey, do you wanna feel this? Like, cause I'm talking, it's just, I'm just, I'm chatting, I'm, relaxed I'm like hey you want to feel this he's like it's okay because <laughs> my water kind of broke yeah and it's just like this it's like a thick balloon like that's that's really what it feels like and I was able to feel that and I'm like hey you want to feel this like that it's all right but when my water broke I felt his energy I felt him tense up because he also knew it was gonna come right after that and I remember one of my contractions had ended but I was still trying to push and my midwife, so it wasn't, it wasn't being effective at that point. She said, is your contraction over in a calm voice? I said, yes. She's like, stop pushing, you know, let the next one come on like, Hey, calm down. You know, like it was just so different. She realized that I wasn't being effective and calmly told me regroup, not calm down. So that is another thing I I, I took to, to heart. I was like, man, that is just, it's so different. Mm-hmm. Everything's just so much better. And also in the hospital, um, 
as soon as you get there, you are hooked up to the monitors, two on your belly, one for you and one for baby. Because the nurses aren't there the whole time. They, they need to, they have their monitoring station and they have their, this is for women who've you know, never given birth. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their, their screen out at their station of all the babies that they're tracking, all their heartbeats. And if they lose that heartbeat or if something seems off, they're coming in and checking where that's placed. Is the baby moving? What's going on? Signs of distress are signaling of that. I'm all belly when I'm, when I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. I'm more focused on keeping that monitor like pushed in on my belly in any position that I'm in. So they're not constantly coming in and be like, hey, can you fix that? At home, whatever position you want to be in, your hands and knees, your side, your back, you know, some women like to sit on the toilet. I mean, just all these, you know, all these different options that you have that you definitely have at home. However you are comfortable, they have their Doppler and they are underneath you where, or, you know, you're standing there, you know, right next to you. They are meeting whatever makes you comfortable. And whether you need an IV or not, when you get to the hospital, you're stuck with that. Um, I, that's not at home unless you have, um, if, if you need right after birth or when you're in labor, I forget what the, forget what the term is, but they certified nurse midwives are able to give you an IV and they can give you the, the medicine that you would need um, while you're in labor. If that's the case and you would have an IV at home, but if you don't have that, I can't, I can't remember what it is. Um, then you don't need that. So at home, you are not hooked up to anything. You are free to move about and do what you feel comfortable and natural to do. So that was also a huge change. I swear you keep reading my mind because I was going to ask you about changing positions and stuff. So that's so cool. And I didn't, I, I was just thinking about me personally. I wouldn't want to be like on my hands and knees in a hospital just for sanitary reasons. But also, like you were saying, the all the monitors and things that you have hooked on, that does kind of limit, you know, how you can move. I didn't even think about that. But I'm glad that you were able to move around as you felt natural to do so when you were at home. You mentioned earlier about um, with your first baby, how you um, tore just a little bit. And one of the benefits of home births is that it's statistically um, those vaginal tears, especially the more severe ones, like the grade three, grade four tears are less common um, Mm -hmm. in those home births. And you also talked about with the placenta, how um, if a little bit is left in, it can um, increase the mother's risk for infections and maternal infection rates are also lower for home births compared to um, hospital births as well. Um, and then, like you said, the IVs and just the other interventions and um, other, you know, different types of medicines and, you know, surgical incisions are a lot less for home births as well. So the mother doesn't have to go through all of that. So those are some benefits that you talked about. I just wanted to highlight um, towards the end here, some benefits of home births, you know, besides that one-on-one care that we all need, honestly, and deserve. And and that's not to downplay hospitals because they are needed as well. Of course, a, a nurse and, you know, staff have, they have to tend to other patients. It's just the name of the game and how it goes and that's understood. But if you have the opportunity to have one-on-one care, why not? And to have it in your home, why not? Because there are also benefits and there are also risks of home births. And as a mother or woman who is listening to this, it is up to you to be your own advocate and decide what's best for you. But don't just believe that you have to have your baby in a hospital because that's how it's normally done. Do your research on all the other um, avenues that you can take to deliver your baby, especially in the times that we are are in now with COVID-19 and not being able to have family in the hospital with you. If um, a home birth would be a great option to still have your family and your loved ones around you during that time so that you won't have to be alone or people that you care about won't have to miss out on that experience with you. And Jennifer also gracefully highlighted that even if 
she's a mother of three and she decides to do it on her third birth. But even if you're a mother of your first time mom, a home birth is still a good option because you get so much education and so many resources that you can feel safe and confident enough to do it at home. Jennifer, do you have any any more advice, words of wisdom for women who are listening or watching this episode regarding home births and the decision to do or not to do? I would say do your research on any option you choose, whether it be a group of providers, whether it be a single nurse midwife, um, whatever it may be. Just do your research and understand that you do have options and don't think of pregnancy and labor and delivery as the scary, screaming, crazy event that you see in movies. Because when I share my story with women who have never, you know, they plan to eventually have children, I can see in their face, they're tense about it. But when you educate them, they're like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And women, we, as our bodies are amazing in so many ways. And we just don't even, unless you ask the questions, like what's going on with my body? Nobody's going to be like, hey, you know, you should expect this to happen when you turn this age or, you know, they, when you get pregnant, you should expect these things. And when you, when you go to providers, like, well, what questions do you have? It's like, I don't know what questions to have talk to me and I'll tell you if I understand or if I know that already. But most times we, women don't, we, with the education is just not there. So they're scared, they're nervous, they're tense, but just understand that find the right provider that's willing to dive deep. If you say, I have no questions, like ensure that you don't have any questions and they just kind of push you to understand what to expect. Um, one, one other tidbit um, I didn't really get to mention, I learned this through my home birth, through my midwives, is cervical checks and ultrasounds and ones that are unnecessary. So you will typically have about two ultrasounds in a normal pregnancy. The first one to um, ensure you know your first appointment between six to nine weeks. And then one around 18 to 20 weeks, and they call it your anatomy scan, not just to find gender, but that's when they're able to ensure that all organs are growing properly, nothing's missing, whatever it may be. And those should be the only two you have, unless they find something in that 20 weeks. Um, And then cervical checks. I did not have a single cervical check with my midwives, not one. And... I asked them a couple of times, I'm like, hey, could you check me? They're like, there's no need. I'm like, well, what do you mean there's no need? My first two, I was checked every appointment. And what I learned was cervical checks increase risk for infection, but they also have no indication or show no signs of how far you truly are in dilation or how close you are to labor or anything. My first daughter I remember I had an older an older uh, physician at that time and she when she had checked me I was I think it was my 38 week appointment because I had her a few days later she was very invasive with it and she told me she's like I was just very invasive you probably have spotting for a few days and all of this and it was very uncomfortable but I was like okay um She's like, you're about two centimeters. You know, you can go really anytime. I'm like, okay. And I had her a few days later. I, I think, you know, maybe had she not done that, I would have maybe gone a little longer. I mean, I was fine to go when I did, mm-hmm. but, um, and then with my second, I just thought that that was normal. You know, they checked me every time, check baby's heartbeat, check your cervix, you know, and what, and I, I'm, what that entails is them, you know, using their fingers and, and just feeling there and it's, it's unnecessary and you can decline it. And just to know that. And I thought it was normal for my second. And I asked, there's a method 
um, to potentially bring on induced labor. It's called uh, sweeping your membranes. So what they'll do is they'll go in and they'll just kind of like sweep around, kind of separate the um, placenta from the cervix and the membranes that are there. And if that's going to take effect, that'll be 24 to 48 hours that labor could start. And I had asked that that had, be, that had been done for me at my 38 week appointment with my second one. So like, oh, you know, it's normal, it's fine. You know, baby's fine, I'm fine, we could do this. Um, that was more for, I knew my husband was gonna be home and I was hoping I didn't have to go alone again. So that was kind of me being selfish on my part, but my provider also could have said, hey, that's not necessary. Because through all of those pregnancies, my husband was attached to a boat. So he was in and out all the time. So when I planned to do a home birth, there was potential that he would be gone again. And I was asking my midwife, I said, is there anything we could do? Like, I want to, I want, I want him to be home when this baby comes. Like, I, I don't want to do this alone. And she's, she thankfully was like, I'm not going to do that. You know, that is something I told you from the beginning. And it was just, a, it was a moment of emotional response for me on him may not being here. And I needed, I needed her at that time to just say, look, it's going to happen when it happens. Me checking you means nothing. That doesn't mean you're going to go tomorrow. It can mean you could, you could walk around three, four centimeters for weeks. It doesn't mean anything. So know that they're not, and cervical checks are not necessary. And understand if they are going to do them, ask why, and um, know that you can decline them. So that was another huge learning point for me that I, even when that, even when they showed up, when they showed up for my birth, they didn't come in and invade me. They studied me. When you get to the hospital, the first thing they do is check you. And they say, oh, you're two centimeters. We'll hook you up, see how your contractions are for about 30 minutes. And then I'll check you again. You could be checked within your first hour there two or three times before they determine if you are going to stay or not. And then they're checking you all the time. And it's uncomfortable because you're having those contractions and you don't want something else shoved up there when something else is trying to come out. So I know that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a practice in the hospital, but it doesn't have to happen. So, cause it's no indication <laughs> at all. So yes, that's kind of what I, I want. I didn't want to miss that in here for those who I've never had a baby or if they had and they'd be like they I didn't feel like that was right it probably wasn't right so yeah thank you for throwing that in because for every episode we like to mention some some type of way where women can learn how to advocate for themselves so thank you for sharing that and just for sharing your entire story with us and really educating us on so much um I'm not a mom but I aspire to be one day and after listening to you and your story and what you've gone through, I am totally on board to have a home birth. So you have empowered me for sure, but I know that this podcast is going to be viewed and listened by so many. You're going to empower so many more. So thank you. So I hope so. Much. I hope so. And I would reach out to me at any time. I'm in Virginia, but like I said, I, I eventually want to become a doula. So that's going to involve me networking anyways. So I, I am all for answering any questions. Like, reach out to me. I don't care. <laughs> Yay. Well, Jennifer is a part of our Core for our Momentum um, private Facebook group for women. So if you want to connect with Jennifer, get on our Facebook group. She's on there. Um, and you guys can mingle and talk and share stories within our private Facebook group. Um, is there, do you want people to reach out to you in any way or just find you on Facebook? I mean, Facebook, I mean, you can put anything in my email in there in the show notes, whatever it may be. Um, I'm willing, like I said, I'm willing, I'll talk to anybody. I, I just love getting it out there knowing that so many women aren't educated in it. I'm just like, Hey, let me, let me tell you my experience. And it's not everyone's experience. 
And I don't want it to seem like you have to have that because it's not, it's, but that was mine and it can be done that way and know that it's possible. So well, thank you. I will be um, listing your email in our notes for this podcast. So people that have questions about home births, they can reach out to you through email. Thank you for being generous okay. enough to offer that. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. This was so fun. I am so excited about this one. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Core 4 Momentum Podcast. We believe that the journey through womanhood is incredibly special, but also difficult. Know that you were never meant to walk your journey alone. If you are looking for a community of women to walk alongside you as we learn about our bodies and pelvic health needs from experts in the field of pelvic physical therapy, check out our private Facebook group, Core for Momentum. That's Core, the number four, Momentum. We would love to have you join our tribe of empowered women. And if you are a pre-PT student, student physical therapist, or entry-level clinician searching for online education and mentorship to become a pelvic health practitioner, check out the private Facebook group, Pelvic Health Kickstarters. Be a part of the next generation of pelvic health clinicians who will change our world. Lastly, be sure to check back weekly for new episodes and subscribe. Until next time, stay empowered, ladies. Empowered women. Empower women.